Hey, everybody. The season is humming along now, and we've reached the quarter mark, basically. Huzzah! In today's episode, I want to do a quarter season check-in. What teams and players have surprised you the most so far? Who do you think has been overrated? And uh, maybe who might still be on the waiver wire that you need to add to your fantasy squad? Why don't you stick around and we'll tell you. I got a great guest with me as well today, so let's get to biz. This is Apples and Genos. You are listening to Cream of the Crop. in everybody thank you so much for joining me this is cream of the crop a fantasy hockey podcast presented by apples and genos you come for the apples you stay for the genos that's how we do um apples and genos has a, a discord you got to check that out the link is in the description you got to click it and you get to talk to me your host blake creamer all right i forgot to introduce myself um we also have a youtube here so if you head on over to youtube search apples and genos we are trying to up the subscriptions there so you know i think we're around 600 or something like that we're not crushing like you know some other channels here that we'll maybe we'll talk about soon um but yeah check us out on youtube i've got a great episode here for you and i've got a special guest to help me with that this guy is a writer at dauber hockey he is a co-host of the locked on fantasy hockey podcast and he's a damn handsome man flip livingstone welcome to the show buddy thanks for being here how are you oh. All of those points I can back up except for the last one, Blake, and I hope uh, everyone out there appreciate the fantasy takes, the uh, visual takes. I'm not going to back up, but I'm doing good, and I really appreciate you having me on. Excited to be here. Absolutely, buddy. And he's modest, everyone. So just, you know, that's that's a double threat, right? (laughs) Nice work. Um, So how have you been so far? How has uh, your season been going? You guys are crushing over there at the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Pod. So tell me a little bit about uh, how your seasons have gone. Who steal? I'm about to call you Steel, my co-host. But Blake, honestly, the start of any fantasy hockey season, I feel kind of everyone wants to go out there and just make a ton of moves and overreact to certain things. But I think people can also get complacent, especially during this time of the stretch right before the holidays. It's a really tricky time for people personally. You and I were just talking about how busy you can get. So I think a lot of GMs can start to slack right now. So personally, for me, I've just set a little reminder in my phone, even if it's five minutes a day, trying to tap into my team, waiver wire, listening to guys like you on Apples and Genos, listen to the podcast, doing your research overall couple of leagues I'm doing okay, but where I'm really killing it this year is in my Keeper Dynasty, which I'm in my 11th season, 16 GMs. I'm creeping all the way up the board. I'm up into third. But it's been been a bit of a grind. It's been a bit of a grind. I don't know how you guys have been doing. Yeah, I was talking to Nate about this um, the other day. Like, to me, it's kind of like the doldrums of the fantasy season. Just what you described there, right? It's like complacency. Yeah, like you kind of just... For me personally, I'm a bit saturated. Like I got nine teams on the go, right? There you go. Uh, which is definitely going to get cut down next season. I'm yeah. saying that now, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I'll probably have more next year. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's also interesting too. Like when you like the seasons kind of go on and all your expectations sort of go out the window. You know what I mean? Like you got guys where you're thinking they're they're going to do something and they aren't performing yet. And like yeah. you said, a lot of people kind of they make a lot of moves early and I'm sort of in the same camp as you where you sort of just let it lie and mm. kind of 
trust your your drafting process and things like that. But yeah, it's been rough. I've I've got a bunch of teams that are sitting at 500 right now, so it doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? Especially when you have a fantasy hockey podcast. So there you go. Hey, trust yeah. me, we do our live drafts for our show on air with our listeners. So you know, I got to show credit due because sometimes I, I I'm learning things all the time here, and you and I do this basically for a living. So it's a learning process, and that's what you know. Even today, I know we're going to talk about some things that you and I couldn't have predicted coming into this season we throw in a lot of predictions Blake that's what we do on these podcasts a lot of them hit some of them aren't gonna hit but it's about trying to be consistent baby we're trying to ride like what a 60 75 percent percentage hit rate something like that Oh, hell yeah. This guy's jacking you up. Oh, man. That's how we do flip. All right. Yep. Well, let's let's get into business here. Today, yep. and I, we're going to talk uh, about some surprises from the first quarter of the season. We're basically doing a quarter season check-in. All right. It's been, it's, I can't believe it's been a quarter of, uh, of the season yeah. so far. It's crazy. This is flying by. But yeah, we're going to look at some surprises. We're also going to look at some players that we think are maybe overrated a little bit. We're also going to talk about some upside plays rest of season. And finally, well, I got the professional here. I got to get some must roster players from this beauty. <laughs> Give you guys the fantasy heads uh, what you need here for your fantasy squads. Flip, are you ready to get the biz? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, first off, we got to talk about uh, some of the biggest surprises so far. Um, and even before we get into this flip, like, what has your, your take been on the season? Like, I, for yeah. me personally, last year, I felt like everything was upside down. Like, there was so much stuff that mm. didn't make sense. And I feel like this season is a little bit more predictable, but there's still a bunch of surprises. What, how, how has the, just the hockey season been for you so far? When I look at all the divisions, I look at all the standings, I actually think relatively we have a fairly even stretch all across the league. There's no division that's really being run away with, even with the New York Rangers and the Metro, even with you know the Golden Knights and their hot start. We're going to talk about the Canucks. The Canucks are right on their heels there in that division. So to me, I think we actually have quite a bit of parity in the league. Mm-hmm. There's been obvious surprises on good and bad sides. I think everyone's heard at length about the Edmonton Oilers and their goaltending situation after they were right at the top of the Vegas odds board in terms of favorites for the Stanley Cup. So I think there's been a lot of surprises. I understand what you're saying in terms of the predictability as well. I think it's been a great start. And I think actually, just to ramble on for a second we're at this weird tipping point you and i were talking about ages and points in our lives off air we're at this point in time and i want to talk about sid in a little bit it's a changing of the guard moment we have a lot of new young faces emerging we have a lot of new or old veterans trying to phase out of their careers so i think overall i've had a great start to the nhl season fantasy wise betting wise but i feel overall we're at this weird tipping point of it, the nhl really changing its faces and charting you're starting to see that in the way the game is being played as well yeah, that's so true. I mean, that not that the league wasn't talented, but the, it seems like it's just insane right now. The 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 talent, the confidence of like some of these young players, like yeah. Zach Benson is a great example. Like this guy's first NHL goal was yeah. between the legs, top corner. Like what the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just crazy stuff. But I've been really enjoying it too. Um, just it's been an exciting season so far. So all right, let's dive in. Let's look at some of the biggest surprises so far. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Flip, was yeah. the New Jersey's power play deployment this is something that i i didn't predict um at the beginning of the season and what i'm really talking about is 
the uh, addition of Luke Hughes on Power Play 1 and Dougie Hamilton relegated to Power Play 2. That was something that I I just didn't see coming, and it really pissed me off, but New Jersey (laughs) has the top power play in the league. Their their power play conversion is 36%, which is awesome. Um, I don't know about you, Flip, but I had Hamilton ranked as one of the top 5D to start this season, and I just didn't see this coming. I don't know. Where did you see Hamilton this year? Dougie Hamilton has been one of the more solid offensive producers. I made a point the other day on the podcast that, you know, I think last season he put up something like 74, 73 points right in around that number. There are not a lot. And I know we have defensemen blowing the doors off scoring this year, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr and others. But realistically, there's not that many blue liners in the league that have 70 plus perennial point production value when we're talking about offense. Dougie Hamilton also chips in nicely with peripherals. I actually, though, kind of as much as I understand your frustration, this Hughes family, I don't know what the the parents were feeding these kids, (laughs) but they have absolutely all it takes to be elite. Jack Hughes, of course, I'd say has the highest highest ceiling out of the three. But if I'm talking about who's going to have the longest, most effective career, it might actually be Luke Hughes. So I'm shocked, yes. But when I look at, I think, what this team can do with Luke Hughes as its anchor blue liner, it actually makes a whole lot more sense. And it's interesting because this topic is going to come up again when we talk about Simon Nemec a little bit later in the show. But I do think that this Devils team, considering how many serious injuries they've already faced to very important pieces, the fact that they're still there knocking on the door in the Metro, and I know they're pretty much like, in seventh out of eighth but they're only six points out of second or third so they're very much alive and i think that really stands to the club's overall quality yeah absolutely i I don't think there's really to me there's not that much concern about whether the devils will be there you know come playoff time i think Mm. this is a really good team they've had some some pretty poor goaltending i think yes we've seen so far but uh i mean luke hughes while you mentioned him i do want to do just a little bit of a deep dive in there like um this guy, it, obviously, his value is even higher now with Dougie Hamilton out with a torn pectoral. Yeah. Um, so he's been stapled. We're talking Luke Hughes. He's been stapled to the top unit there with uh, his brother Jack. So that's awesome. And half of his 14 points have been on the power play. So yeah. that's a that's a really nice start for Luke Hughes there. But, I mean, diving in a little further here, um, some of the metrics we like here, Flip, shots of goal per 60, individual course yep. four, individual scoring chances for all that stuff. Luke Hughes kind of shows out in those metrics, right? So last Last five games, he's got four points in the last five games, which is excellent. He's 31st among all defensemen in shots of goal per 60 in the league. He's 10th overall in individual Corsi 4 per 60. And he's 5th overall in individual scoring chances 4 per 60. Dang. I mean, and this is – and now, like, he's got a really clear path to just staying on power play one pretty much. Like, I don't even know. Dougie might be gone for a real extended period here, right, with a torn pectoral. So, um, do you – where do you see Luke Hughes? Like, right now, he's on a 52-point pace, right, three goals 11 assists in 22 yep. games where do you see this player towards kind of at the end of the season where do you think he'll finish i think 52 points is right at the bottom of where i would expect him to end up being in terms of where he will be for his career also he's tied to this new jersey devils team so for talking specifically about this player perhaps in a different scenery maybe we're talking about it with a different lens because as much as there is a very small sample size here as well with luke hughes everything adds up the numbers you're backing it up he passed the eye test You also have to remember that, what, it's only 24 games in the NHL. So, yeah, everything's lining up nicely, and I think we're safe to say that 50 points, I think, is his floor. I could see all the way up to 60, 65 points by the end of this season. Next season, for sure, 
I'm comfortable putting that number out there. And I, when I look at, you know, he doesn't throw his body around a ton, you know, only six hits this year. Yeah. I would actually like to see him get a little bit more physical considering he is six foot two, almost 190 pounds. But I think the point here is he's just 20 years old. That's going to come with confidence and that's going to come. He's still a boy right now, realistically. He starts to get that man body on a couple more pounds. I think those peripherals come up a little bit. Absolutely. This is a player we should definitely be excited about. And he's only rostered at 76%. What the hell are That's we crazy. doing here? That's this crazy. guy's, yeah, no, that makes no sense. But I mean, you know, I guess people are a little bit slow. But yeah, Hamilton is out. This guy is running power play one there for the top power play in the league. And I could yep. see them finishing top power play in the league. So there you go. That's yep. our deep dive into the Devils. So that has been a surprise. Um, Dougie Hamilton, if he does come back, I mean, mm. this this is kind of a wash season for him, which is really unfortunate because that's a player that I'm, I do like. I think Dougie Hamilton has 20 goal upside um, sure. as an defenseman, which I love. But, yeah. you know, yeah. Pectoral kinda- is a real tough one to come back from. They're not Aside just from the inability to properly train, the, you know, the working back from that injury, the rehab, thank you, I'm going to spit out these words, Like the rehab on a pec can take time because it's not just like jumping right back into the gym. You gradually are going to have to work yourself back to game shape. It could be the type of thing that is end of season, mm-hmm. not ending his season, but he's not going to be back until maybe that last half of the season. Yep, absolutely. Shout out to Dougie Hamilton. I'm sorry, my man. Rest up, King. Taste me how to duck. Taste me, taste me how to duck. duck. All right, yep. let's move on. We got to talk about big Alex Ovechkin. And Love what this. the hell is this man doing this season? I feel for him. It's It's been pretty rough so far. Ovechkin's yeah. out, but, um, you know, and Washington in general, the league worst power play percentage. I, I mean, yeah. I can't believe an Alex Ovechkin team is league worst in the power play. That doesn't make sense. So um, first thing, I do want to talk quickly about what Ovechkin's been able to do this season. So um, this is rough stuff. Like uh, right yeah. now, 14 points in 22 games. That's a 52-point pace for Alex Ovechkin. That is... Oh, oh, oh. You know what I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's shocking, actually. I, I yeah. you know, this is a this is a early second rounder, you know, maybe late first rounder this year. Um, so this is not what you want to see with Alex Ovechkin. In terms of the metrics here, uh, the thing about Alex Ovechkin is it still looks pretty damn good under the hood. Um, he's tw- he's 26 overall in the league in shots and goal per 60. He's 17th overall individual Corsi four per 60 in the league, and then 135th in individual scoring chances for, which is a little bit worse. But the problem yeah. is he's shooting 6.2 percent. Damn. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, that's, that's crazy stuff. Um, so where, where, what do you think about Ovechkin this season? What do you think's gone on here? Because this is clearly not the same player that we've seen throughout his career. Do you think age is catching up or is this kind of just a, a situation where he's been unlucky? I think both has to play into this age. If you're talking about a player like Alex Ovechkin, who is, of course, 38 years old. We're not saying it's impossible to play at an elite level at 38 years old, but when we've also got to compare him to the expectations we have for the great eight over the course of his career, which is there's not many players ever. Like, we're talking about when Wayne Gretzky's in the conversation here, Blake, on a goal record, we really have to take a full pause and really appreciate how lucky we've been to take in a player like Alex Ovechkin. Weird, weird parallels we're drawing here because we're going to start with the Devils. I want to talk about Nemich. You're talking about Ovi, and I want to talk about Sid, who is obviously still getting it done at a very elite level. But 
this is my take on this situation because I appreciate that you guys always dive under the hood into the deeper metrics. And I think that's actually why you and I are going to have a good conversation because I'm a little bit more of an eye test man myself. I love and appreciate advanced analytics and they're obviously important in today's game. I really get a little fired up when people say I don't look analytics because that's a mistake for sure. Especially when look at Ovi though, who he's had throughout his career. And I don't mean just Nick Backstrom because as much that is his boy, and as much as that is obviously affecting some chemistry in the top six, because Backstrom's been there for so long, his game's been sliding. It's the rest of this team, Blake. Look at that lineup, top through bottom. There are a lot of... Charlie Lindgren has had to be the main guy this year because Darcy Kemper is not good. Yeah. The blue line is in shambles. And when you look at the bottom six, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I could tell you an honest take on about two out of six of those players, or else I would have to Google them. That's how shabby this lineup is right now. And shout out to my boy, Connor <laughs> McMichael, a beauty in the OHL. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I I don't know. Do you think that this is the Ovechkin we see for this season? Like, based on what you've said there, like, it, is he a buy low? Does he bounce back? <sighs> that is a really, really good question because this is where we're at with these types of players mm-hmm. like Crosby and Ovechkin, Ovechkin, especially in the keeper dynasty side. It's the pressing, one of the most pressing questions because on the case of Sid, right now you could sell Sid and get a whole boatload of pieces. You could get picks. You could get, if you got auction dollars, you could get everything. Whereas with Ovi, you're in real trouble here because I'll say this, five goals and nine assists, 14 points. You mentioned the pace. You mentioned the metrics. He's been unlucky, yes, but this team is only going to get worse, in my opinion, over the next year to year and a half. And this guy is a big-time winner. He wants to win. He's been clear about it. There's no rebuild, quote-unquote, going on while he's there, even though if you're taking a look at what's happening. I also don't know how to unwrap. How do they still sit where they are in that division when they're right at the bottom of the league and the numbers you mentioned and just an overall goal scoring? I don't get it. Yeah, it's so there's some interesting stuff here. I did deep dive a little bit in here, but for me personally, like I just don't, even though he's 38, even though he's a silver fox, all right, I don't buy the narrative that age is catching up to him. Not just yet, right? Like one thing about Oveshkin this season, he's he's shooting less than he has in the previous six seasons, right? Uh, Like at 3.7 shots per game. That's still really, really good, right? But he's, I mean, this is a guy who's, he's shot at four four shots per game for a yeah. lot of seasons in a row, right? But I think 3.7 is still enough for him to return value. Uh, maybe he doesn't reach the heights that we thought at the beginning of the season, but this, to sure. me, Ovechkin is a buy low. And interesting, yeah. maybe I'll get your take on this too. I've just picked him up in two spots in trades. Like one of them's in our league that we're playing together. Hey. Um, I traded uh, Malkin. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, Malkin straight up for Ovechkin. A little Russian roulette special. I like that. There there you go. So I got him there. And I in a points league that I play in, I traded Alex Dabrinkit straight up for Ovechkin. So I don't know. What what are your thoughts on those two trades there? You traded Alex Dabrinkit straight up for Ovi. You are going down an investment train into the grade eight here. That's bold. It's bold. The first one I like a little bit more with Malkin. I like I think you probably made out a lot better in that one. I understand what you're trying to do here because I'm with you on the take of he's not done yet. He's also the kind of guy that I swear to you, if he had two broken legs and he was this close to breaking that record, he's still going to go out there and be somewhat effective. He's just that special. He's also the kind of player that you second you right off and you do get rid of. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a few of those out there. He's going to burn you and he's going to go off and score like 20 in 10 games. 
This is it, though, for me at the end of the day, is this team around him, he needs to be propped up and have that confidence. When I look at players like Ovechkin, who, and you going back into these numbers, in 2009, he had 528 shots on net. This is a guy who clearly likes to shoot the puck. We know this. So when he's not, it's got to also be a confidence thing. He's not getting the puck in the areas that he needs to. And I know it's a guy that can is a Hall of Famer. He needs help. And right now, he doesn't have a ton of that in Washington. Yeah, you're right on the money there. Um, one thing I did want to talk about at Washington, just in general, like like you said, they're they're somehow treading water, like um, with their record, even though like they're the they're the league worst um, power play, as we said. There's some other things here that are really interesting. So first off, just an Ovechkin, his shooting percentage is laughable at this point. Like we talked yeah. about, um, yeah. on ice shooting percentage at five on five as well is the lowest number of his career by Ooh. far. And that's yeah. 5.33%. So that's terrible. Um, and for reference, like the last three seasons, he was at 9, 11, and 11, right? Yeah, so in this yeah. year, he's at 5. So that is not going to stick. That's going to regress up, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and I also don't believe that Washington, being the second lowest scoring team in the league, is going to stick either, right? Their, their league-worst power play has had the 14th most sh- uh, scoring chances, 4 per 60. And check this flip. They got the fifth most high-danger chances, 4 per 60. The Washington power play. But they're the worst. So that, it, to me, that is unlucky, right? Yeah, we're looking at, sure. We're looking at luck here. Um, they've yeah. been extremely unlucky for an extended period. The whole team been snake bitten. Um, but like I said, they're still treading water. They're third in that mm. Metro division, which is ridiculous. Charlie mm. Lengren has been a wagon himself. Like, like you said, the best player on the team. For me, I'd be throwing offers out for Ovechkin. I think he's mm. he's getting cheaper and cheaper by the day. Each game he doesn't get a point. Like you can you can get some more. Like, are you interested in Ovechkin as a buy low? Most definitely, because <laughs> all of the points that you and I just mentioned, although when you're getting into these situations with a buy low, or conversely, if you do have GMs coming at you and you have OV right now, you're gonna probably be getting some dog water offers. Yep. And I would be very, very apprehensive about taking any of them, even though right now it might seem like getting anything for him could be the move. I really do would preach patience with this guy because I was patient with Sid in my keeper league a couple of years ago when he was getting banged up and there was a little bit of questions about Sid. I held it down and now look at Sidney go. He's a top 10 player in the NHL production wise, effectiveness wise and otherwise. I'll talk about that in a little bit, but don't give up on a guy who is this close to breaking one of the all time records in North American sports and goals and Wayne Gretzky. He's not going anywhere fantasy-wise yet until he hits that number or an injury or something unforeseen happens. I'm telling you, though, Blake, and it's not going to happen, and we should probably move on because we got lots of topics, but imagine he was on a team with a little bit better of a makeup because when you look up the middle in this on this squad right now, Hendricks, Lapierre, Nick Dowd, Connor McMichael, and Dylan Strom, Oh, my goodness. Imagine he was on some (laughs) other teams that we're going to talk about, even like the, I don't know, Vancouver Canucks. We're not there yet, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Well, you know, from here, uh, I do want to talk about Crosby. So why don't we jump to Crosby real quick? Just kind of that comparables, right? So um, this is something that that you mentioned that was a bit of a surprise for you. And yeah, Mm. what what are your thoughts on Crosby here? Crosby, to me, I've been lucky enough to watch him live a couple of times. Given my age, we're going to go down this route again, starting to sound a little bit long in the tooth here. He has been the face of the NHL. Ovechkin made comments. It's funny we're talking about this. Made comments about them salvaging, saving the league. I think it was just last week that was in the media. He is an impressive 
piece. And he's been basically playing the same way his entire career, using his body's sound foundational hockey, edge work, using his body to protect the puck. He's an absolute unit in terms of a leader. I'm stealing your frame on that one. But let's just show some respect to a guy that's also been nothing but a winner since putting on skates. And you yep. can go off three cups, three Art Ross, three Pearson, three Rocket Richard, two Con Smythe, eight All Stars. It goes on and on and on. But how about most importantly this year? Ice time still near twenty per twenty each night. Penalty minutes he chips in still fourteen, fifteen goals, eleven assists. The opposite is happening in Pittsburgh and what's happening in Washington in terms of support around Sid. They brought in Kyle Dubas and they made a ton of moves to try and salvage this window for winning. Is it working? Is the success? The book is still out on that. But I think we can see the difference in maybe what the energy is in that locker room. They went out and got Eric Carlson. Yep. We got Nick Dowd up the middle playing with Alex Ovechkin and Sid got Eric Carlson to come in on the power play. That's where I think also for me, there's still a lot of value to be had with Sidney Crosby, a guy who for me is one of my favorite players that I've ever seen play the game. He's he's just one of the best to ever do it. There's no question on that. Um, yeah. Really interesting. I'm glad you brought up Crosby because obviously this guy is crushing this season. But what's what's interesting when you dive in a little bit on Crosby is he's really doing it at even strength. Right. Um, yep. He's shooting a lot more than he has previously, especially at five on five, where he's actually going off for 10.47 shots on goal per 60, which is excellent. So in the metrics we look at there, shots on goal per 60, anything over 10 flip. That's where we're starting yeah. to look at like an elite shot generator. Right. And this guy's he's, yes. that's what he's doing right now. And that yep. would represent a career high for for Crosby at age 36. Yeah. So that's pretty damn nice. Yeah. Um, Can say me, that again. Yeah. Like and. Like some people might think Crosby is a sell high. Maybe he is, but mm. I, I think he might be if Pittsburgh wasn't doing so horribly on the power play, right? Yeah. They have the third worst conversion rate there, which yeah. is crazy to me. Sid himself mm-hmm. only has three power play points on the season. So that says to me that that he could actually get more. Like he's on an 89-point pace right now. Once that kind of normalized a little bit, like you got Carlson, you got Latang back on the power play, like Gensel's flying right now i think he can obviously do a lot more there on the power play i think that's going to regress to the mean and i just yeah. don't think the penguins are going to be third worst rest of the season on the power play yeah so 10% I, is embarrassing yeah that's nuts so yeah. it's going to get better they're going to score in bunches um you look at the firepower they have over there i think he finishes with more than 89 points book it i would not be looking to get off Sidney crosby at this, this point i'd be super stoked if i had him in my league yeah, and I'm very happy to have my center position anchored by Sidney Crosby. He stays right there at the top of the lineup. He doesn't go anywhere. Knock on wood. He's been fairly, you know, he's been durable the last couple of years. And that's one of those things I said about his game that it hasn't really changed much. It hasn't changed much in terms of its effectiveness. He yep. did actually have a number of key injuries, concussions and otherwise, that actually allowed him to and led him to change the way he attacked the puck. He used to play a lot more rough and rugged, and perhaps it was a bit foolish the way he was playing. He smartened up, and he realized that if he wants to be effective and play late into his 30s and maybe even longer, he had to adapt to how today's game was adapting to him. And I think you're seeing that also. I believe he's tied for the league lead of even strength goals at 13, which is a very impressive number in itself. 
But the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins are that bad on the power play and Washington is only one of the teams worse, it's very interesting that, and I know Ovid not to the same success, but that these two guys at this age, you would think maybe they're just banking easy points on the PP. They are getting it done other to you know much to the chagrin of this team not doing well on special teams which is bizarre although pittsburgh has been medium of the pack on both the penalty kill and power play for like the last three seasons which doesn't make sense to me for a number of reasons including i really love mike sullivan behind the bench yeah all that tracks for me um needless to say i'm i'm excited about crosby and i'm still excited about ovechkin i think those are two players generational players i love that you brought up that comment that ovechkin made there about them sort of saving the league and i Mm -hmm. i agree with it he's not wrong you know like they brought in some some really interest just an interesting commentary right like a kind of a there was never any animosity between those two players but they were uh, kind of against each other right and it was it was fun to watch and like what a couple of beauties seasons that they've had like we're looking at Crosby, one of the best players ever to do it. And Ovechkin, probably the best goal scorer in history. That's crazy. What the hell? Yeah, most definitely. You know, I don't want to ramble on at all, but I can remember when Alex Ovechkin was being hyped to come into the league. He was on the cover of the former ESPN magazine on the subway in Russia. I believe it was the lockout season. So they were doing tons of promo on this kid. And then you had Sid stack up because of that lockout and they came into the league together. I think Ovi's a year older, though. Mm-hmm. It was a really cool time to be a hockey fan. And now look at it 20 years later, they're still getting it done. Yeah. Anyway, we, we're not here to ramble. Let's keep it tight, Blake, because there's lots more to get to. We're fanboying out on these two players. It's amazing. Yeah. Both cup winners, too. So there you go. Hey. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. We got to talk uh, quickly on Frank the Tank Vitrano. What the what? This is another big surprise this season. This guy is tied for fourth in the NHL in goals. Flip, yeah. did you see this coming? Are, are you a Frank Vitrano super fan? What, where, where are you at with this? Not a super fan, although I think there's a lot of GMs and a lot of guys like us who come on here and cover this for a quote-unquote living who have been on Frank Vetrano as one of those peripheral pieces to your team that you want to maybe round out your roster with. But I don't think I would have pegged him to have 14 goals in 24 games. And the Ducks have come back down to earth in a very big way over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if they've, have they busted, they busted that losing streak, but it was a lengthy one again. And this team has been right at the bottom of every single metric that counts over the last couple of years. And I mean, right at the bottom. So when I saw this start for both Vetrano and the ducks, I was going to expect some regression. Although I'm excited to hear what you have to say about Vetrano, who is playing over 18 minutes of ice time a night. Yeah, it's been an interesting season for Frank Vitrano. I uh, I had a nice little projection for him in the preseason. You know, I had him for 28 goals and 17 assists, 45 points. And I felt, you know, I like Nate and I kind of went back and forth with our own projections. And I had this guy projected for a little bit more, right? But the, the truth is about Frank Vitrano is he's a shot monster. Right? This is a guy yeah. who generates shots and generates chances at a at a pretty high level. He just never got the deployment, right? He never got featured yeah, offensively. Exactly. Well, now, I mean, new coach Greg Cronin. That's a cool name too, by the way. Greg it Cronin is. sounds like a superhero, um, or like a like a like his his identity, a secret identity. This is Greg Cronin. Mm, mm. I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, that's okay. I like it. That's fine. Okay, um, but yeah, this like this guy's flying right now. Um, you know, there's some red flags for sure with yeah. Vitrano. His shooting percentage, 15.9%. That, you know, this is a 10% career shooter, right? So I think we can expect that to come down. How much is it going to come down? You know, we'll, we'll see, right? He is getting more yeah. offensive opportunity. Um, on ice shooting percentage is the highest of his career, 11.97% at all mm-hmm. strength. 
That yep. is not normal for this player. Although, like I said, he is getting featured a little bit. The regression is coming for sure, but how much regression, right? I think the increase in ice time that he's getting and the increase in offensive opportunities is going to soften that blow a little bit. Um, so it might not fall off as hard as we think. But one thing to note for sure is that this guy's been playing uh, most of the season with Mason McTavish. And Mason McTavish yes. in his own right has been having a great season. And now yes, McTavish sir. is injured. But he's not going on the road trip here. So I'm very interested to see what Vetrano does, you know, sans yeah. – uh, mctavish right like is yes. the, is he able to generate the same amount of shots chances like the other thing too with Vetrano, he's not getting like a, a ton of power play time like he's getting more power play time than he ever has i think just over two minutes but it's, mm. they're not doing the full-on power play one there in anaheim i don't know is this is this a player that you're interested in like do you think this is sustainable with frank Vetrano? I really don't personally. I just also have a couple of question marks around. You mentioned the first point I have here in my notes is Mason McTavish. The question mark isn't about Mason McTavish. I absolutely love him. I have him in my keeper dynasty league as well. Invested into him, third overall draft pick a couple of years, and now he's paying off. It's about yeah. the ability of young players to consistently get it done. And Frank Vitrano isn't a guy I'd put into the young player category I'm talking about the Leo Carlson's of the world and Mason McTavish himself because yeah it's been a good start but can they maintain and a big reason for I think Frank Vitrano's success has been the space created by the players like Leo Carlson and Mason McTavish having good years and the rest of this Ducks team really overachieving to start so now they're coming back down to earth. I really love Lukas Dostal in the cage moving forward. I yeah. think he has all the makings of a number one. He's been hung out to dry. Jamie, speaking of dry, Jamie Drysdale has been one of those names that I had double circled for a number of years. Production-wise, say what you will about his ability to be a quality all-around NHL defenseman. Fantasy-wise, he's been a disappointment. So just to make my long answer really extra long here for your Frank Vitrano question is I think he's been propped up by the solid play of the players around him, not trying to detract from his ability to put the puck on net or in the back of it. I'm just mm -hmm. a little bit wary. Actually, looking at your production or your predictions of those numbers you put up, 24, 25 goals, 45 points, I think that's actually still right on par for where I would put him. Maybe he finishes with 46 or 7, a little bit higher because of that hot start, but I think he comes back down to earth and he finishes – right where you astutely predicted him yeah absolutely that would be nice for me and uh you know my my credit uh, um you know yeah, all my cred, cred here but anyways yeah street cred that's where i'm going with that but yeah i mean vetrano just last thing on him you know on the season he's 14th overall in shots and goal per 60 in the league 14th mm. and he's 35th overall in individual coursey four per 60 so those those things right there are are going to help carry his value and when you got a guy who's who's now averaging you know 18 and a half minutes time on ice it mm. that's gonna keep his floor a lot higher than it probably was at the beginning of the season so shout yeah. out to frank the tank well done to you my man all right we got to carry on we do have a lot of stuff here um cool let's talk about um, I want to move on to the Vancouver Canucks and talk about them, but, you know, because it. it's my team and we got to yep. see what's up here. So, yeah, we um, got to keep this list tight, Blake, or we're oh, going to yeah. be here all night. Yeah. So, buddy. Yeah, exactly. You don't mind, do you? We'll just, we'll just no, chat. We're good. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, and I think listeners like that. They want to listen to just four or five hours straight of fantasy yeah, hockey. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And life yeah. advice. You know, I got a good recipe. We're going to break that down oh, in a little yeah. bit. Now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're really going to get to Gavin here. Just yeah, two yeah. gals having a nice time. That's it, pal. All right. There we go. Let's move on. All right. Canucks, let's talk them. They lead the NHL in goals for what? Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Um, and it, it has been a surprise for sure. But mm. one thing I do want to bring to the attention of 
some people out there is the Canucks metrics, right? Their team metrics, are they sustainable, unsustainable? And to me, there's some interesting pieces here. So they, as I said, they lead the NHL in goals for, but they are six worse in shots for per game at all strengths. So that's that's a bit strange, right? They're six worst. They are not putting any shots on net. And then at five on five, they're 11th worst in the entire league in Corsi 4 per 60, but they're sixth best in goals 4 per 60. So the way I'm reading that, yeah, is like they're being hyper-efficient, right? They're also first overall in shooting percentage and fourth overall in save percentage. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's clear that some of these things are not like the other, right? They are redlining exactly. in a lot of metrics and they're converting at a very efficient rate. So to me, I don't think we can expect that to continue for the rest of the season. So a regression is coming, but how much? What like what, Where are you at with the Vancouver Canucks and what you've seen from them this year, Flip? I think what we've seen from them this year is obviously a team that maybe underachieved last year, overachieved. So where I expect them, if we're looking at like, you know, a whole scale of the Canucks over the last from the start of last season up until now. And where do I think they fall in? Maybe somewhere right in the middle. But I still think they're a good enough team to be in the playoffs. And I think what you're seeing a lot out there right now in terms of chatter, this isn't so much about fantasy per se, but just about this Vancouver Canucks team overall, is that there's a lot of people saying that they're ready to call them a playoff team. They're one of the best teams in the West. I'm not as I'm not going to be as strong on that front. I think they're good enough to get there. I think they've overachieved. But I mentioned to you off air what I think is the biggest points here. Rick Tockett has this team playing with purpose. They didn't have that last year. Even when he came in at the start, it took us some time to get his systems in place. But now look at them go. And also sometimes and maybe it's. Kind of a nice little parallel, or if you will, to how you guys look at things. If you want to look at it very simply, when you look at how teams are built to win, you need a stud or two up front. Check. JT Miller, uh, you could actually probably throw a few in there, but Elias Pettersson, even Brock Besser this year has been yeah. elite. You have a stud on the blue line. Quinn Hughes, double, triple check. And then you need, obviously, a goalie with the ability to steal a series. And that's where I wanted to go next in tipping my cap to Thatcher Demko, a goalie that I think, you know, I can't speak for how you have maybe perhaps come at Thatcher Demko or not. He has gotten a little bit of a raw end of the deal, I think, in his, in terms of he was injured. The team was a mess last year on and off the ice. They yep. traded their captain. They fired their coach. There was that torture of a press conference. There was a lot <laughs> going on working against this team last year. And usually goalies take the brunt end of it. And Thatcher Demko, in my opinion, is one of the best young goalies in the game. I know he's 27, 12-6-0 this year with two shutouts, 924 save percentage. That's the number I look at when I'm talking about investing in a goalie long-term fantasy-wise. And to me, Thatcher Demko has that. And that's why I would actually, one of the main reasons I would buy into this Vancouver club, being able to translate this regular season success, perhaps into some postseason success. Yeah, I agree with all that. I definitely think the Canucks are a playoff team. Where they end up, you know, is debatable, right? But I think they have enough pieces here to to compete for the Stanley Cup this season. Um, I love that uh, uh, Thatcher Demko talk as well. Like we Thank talked you. about him on your pod. Um, I think in the yes, in the preseason here, the tale yep. of two seasons, right? What he was doing last season yes. started out yes. terribly, and and one of the things that I find so interesting. Um, 
Bruce Boudreaux compared to Rick Tockett is the defensive environment that is in front of Demko, right? Like sure. it is so much better right now. Like they're limiting, you know, um, you know, cross ice passes. They're they're limiting chances off the rush. Like yeah, Demko's getting a lot of shots at him, but the the they're not high danger chances, right? And he's just able to make the save and really trust his teammates. And they have a lot more accountability there with Rick Tockett. So I really Huge. like that. Um, but yeah, in terms of like like the regression that the Canucks will have, they mm-hmm. they have so many things that keep that floor safe, right? Like they got a yep. wagon of a power play, which is currently fourth in the league. You know, they got, like you said, Hughes, Miller, Pedersen, right? Like when you How about got Philip Ronek. Yeah, what's what's this man doing, right? And they just yeah. made a massive trade, which I love yeah. for Nikita mm-hmm. Zadorov. This beefer of a man, he's yeah. mean and he's big. And the Canucks haven't had a presence like that on the blue line. So I definitely think, again, this is a team that will make the playoffs. Will they continue to lead the league in shooting percentage and goals? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't think so. But, I mean, Demko has been amazing. I think he's going to keep them in a lot of games, maybe that they have no business being in. And they're just a lot maybe. more consistent this season. Yeah, most definitely. It also helps, right? Like I think uh, one of the themes here, because we are covering so many things on today's episode, is there's a theme here with good situations. Good play, step out seasons, stand out performances like Quinn Hughes is doing. Yeah, puts energy throughout that whole lineup. And I know JT Miller has been sensational. I know Elias Pettersson is now really establishing himself as, in my opinion, and I've been saying this for years, I took some heat. He's a superstar, in my opinion. And I still think we Mm. haven't seen him really hit his high, high 1A game. He's coming along right there. He's close. But I'm telling you, don't even slip or sleep for one second on Elias Pettersson. But this is what happens when guys like Quinn Hughes step out. A defenseman leagues the lead in leagues the lead in scoring two months in good things are going to happen permeate through that whole lineup and that's what you're seeing with the vancouver canucks but i think even if let's say hughes hits the slides and i mean just not at the crazy crazy high level he's at i'm not going to say he's going to fall off then let's see what the canucks can do and i still think the reasons what we're explaining demko and others they're good enough to still maintain as a threat in that division and bringing in guys like Zadorov right now also indicates to the rest of that roster and that dressing room that this is the year, not this is the year for the cup, but this is the year that things are now changing. They're making additions and they're really right now shaping up to be, why not? Why not them out of the West? <laughs> hey, that West is wide open. Yep. No, I think so too. Um, I, and well, that's what I tell myself, uh, anyways. Yep. So the, the oh, I see the flag behind you now. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, you were about yeah. to you were about <laughs> to just jet through the roof on that one. Yeah, exactly. I'm just yeah. I'm just picturing. I'm visualizing. Uh, anyways, um, we talked about the Canucks. Uh, before we move on from the surprise section, I do want to talk. Um, briefly on the Arizona Coyotes. This is something that, you know, we have to acknowledge, right? Like these guys just completed a five-game win streak against the previous five cup winners. Dang, that's pretty nice. I mean, what? Never been done before. Yeah, what what do you think about the Arizona Coyotes? Are they a wagon flip or what? Uh, Wagon, I I know you like to use that term and I'm starting to use it. I might have to give you, you know, some residuals on that puppy, but (laughs) I don't want to say a wagon just yet. But again, when, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, right? Like they cover one team, you know, you tune in and it's the Senators podcast. It's the Leafs podcast. We got to cover all of the teams across the NHL. So there's going to be a lot of predictions thrown out there. And I'd like to say we're like, I mentioned the percentage. One of the ones that I'm happy to stand by this year was I called the Arizona Coyotes a playoff team. 
Are they a wagon? I don't think they're there yet, but you can't help but like the makeup of some of these pieces that this team has. We talked about the the Godfather and Michael Carcone, but in all honesty, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, these are pieces that any team would have in their top six. Obviously, there's still some pieces in this lineup. The bottom six has some work to do, but it's getting there. It's really getting there, Blake. And I think what's most impressed me over the last couple of weeks has been Connor Ingram. That's obvious. We're going to talk. He's one of my must-ads right now. He just got a shutout on Monday night as well. He's out there in some leagues. and ESPN, he's up. 35% in ownership to almost 50%. So it's just also one of those clubs that when I look at, you know, that arena situation is one thing, Blake, that's like a whole embarrassing <laughs> yeah. take. I really don't like talking about it because I think it is kind of an embarrassing situation for the NHL overall. But just look at some of these good young pieces. I know Lo- Logan Cooley, a lot of people were buying into, and maybe he hasn't put up the numbers that you want to. He's mm-hmm. still producing Clayton Keller, Schmaltz, Michelli, Lawson Kraus. You know, there are a lot of really interesting fantasy pieces, and I love me some Sean Dursey action on the blue line as well. You got to give your hats off to this team, especially because of what they just pulled off in five straight wins. Absolutely, buddy. Um, I think we got to start looking at the Coyotes like they are a playoff team. They're going to they're going to be in the fight for that. I think that there's no question there. But even just doing a deep dive on this team, I wanted to look at what they've Fifth done. Fifth best power play. Crazy Fifth stuff. Best power play. Yeah. I mean, well, look, look at the last five games. So at five on five over the last five games, this is some interesting stuff. So the Coyotes are actually dead last in the league in Corsi four per 60. Dead last. So least amount of shots towards the net and shots for per, per 60, right? So mm. dead last. And they're eighth worst in Corsi against. So it's weird. They're actually getting caved in a bit there at even strength, right? At five on five. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, right? And so in the last five games, two power play, yeah, fifth best overall, but they, they haven't been a world, be, uh, world beater either in the last five. Like nothing remarkable statistically about the Coyotes, what they've done in the last five games besides what you just said, yeah. Connor Ingram. Like, damn. Um, yeah. th- this this guy has really stepped out, and, um, you know, I am excited to talk about this player. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what Connor Ingram has been able to do. Two shutouts in those five games, too. I mean, just ridiculous. But yeah. I, I yeah. actually feel like what they've been able to do this last five games, pretty unsustainable. And the fact that they are getting such good goaltending yeah. every night, that does give them a chance every night. But I think we need to look at those things and be like, five mm-hmm. straight, that's great. But, like, they, they've been – like, ice has been tilted. It's just been the Connor Ingram show, and they've been very yeah. efficient. Guys like Nick Schmaltz do that all day. Super mm-hmm. high efficiency, just putting points on the board. So, um, yeah, but I, I do think – that said, I do think the Coyotes will be there, uh, you know, come playoff time. They'll be in the hunt for a playoff spot. Yeah, and I fully appreciate what you're saying with the numbers because – Sometimes you can get lost on just those W's in the win column. Also, though, I'll say this about their ability to make the postseason. When you're looking at that central division on the teams behind them, and no offense to the Minnesota Wild, who I don't think anyone predicted would be as bad as they are, Nashville, St. Louis, and Chicago behind them. They're only one point back of Winnipeg and three back of Dallas. If they can even just maintain you know, maybe three quarters of this pace or 60% of the winning pace that they're at. They're going to very much be in that mix just mathematically. Although what you're bringing up is sustainable right now. It's very interesting. I think though, these are the teams that, you know, you bring up Arizona, you're talking about fantasy. 
that's like, okay, I'm going to pass and come back to that maybe at the end of the draft. And they're starting to now become very relevant. They're starting to have a number of pieces that if you are a GM out there overlooking them, you're going to start seeing teams above you in the standings with a number of Arizona Coyotes a part of it, especially as they continue to move forward. Like Logan Cooley has... I, well, I was looking at his numbers the other day. I think the point production isn't bad, but he hasn't even started to get comfortable. So yep. these are some of those things that after teams have prolonged periods of losing, it's hard to dig in the trenches and maybe look at them for fantasy value. But here you go, Arizona on the come up, and you want to get yourself a piece of some of that action. You bet, buddy. I'm with you. Yeah, I remember you talking about Arizona. You guys talk about it on the pod all the time. This is a low-key fantasy yep. goldmine for players, right? So there you go. Exactly. Um, cool. All right. Well said. Let's, let's move on. We'll talk about um, – we'll do kind of a rapid fire here. I want to get your take on some of these players here, Flip. Um, we're talking sure. about most overrated. Sure. At the quarter mark of the season, the first player I want to bring up is Mark Shifley. Hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Um, this guy right here. I'll just give you my quick take, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts on him. Um, yeah, hit this me. Is a player, yeah, this is a player that relies on high efficiency, right, um, and has a lot of success there as well. So I'm definitely not saying Mark Shifley is a dud or anything like that. But <laughs> right, <laughs> such a such a bad burn. This guy's a dud. Like, ah. No, it's hey, look, you you say overrated, and you got Shifley up there with what is it, almost 30 points? I'm ready for this take because I don't know if I'm fully here for it, but I'm ready to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's on a 92 point pace. Dang. I mean, that's that's excellent. Um, to me, like, let, let's take a look at first up. Well, before we get into that, he, this guy, <laughs> I don't think he's a 92 point player at this point in his career. I really that's don't. Fair. Like, that's if fair. you look at what he's done the last few seasons, like um, 63 points in 2020, 70 points in 2021, 68 points last season with Winnipeg, and then now he's on a 92 point pace. Like, I, I'm not saying he can't do it, but mm -hmm. I think there's some stuff here like that is not really sustainable. So sure. let's look at it. Let's look under the hood because um, this is not a player that I'm very excited about usually. So sure. Mark Shifley in the last five games, he does have five points, so that's really nice. He's getting crazy deployment under 23 minutes. So that right there is the reason why Mark Shifley's able to do, or it's a big reason why he's able to put together the production that he does but mm -hmm. last five games 192nd in the league in shots on goal per 60 181st in individual course four per 60 and 114th in individual scoring chances for per 60 and on the season he's even worse he's in the 200s in all those metrics so this is a guy that is, is getting first off extremely lucky right his ipp and his shooting percentage they're, they're pretty pretty decent right so to me, when it, when you get a player like this who doesn't really generate a lot of shots, doesn't generate a lot mm -hmm. of chances, yeah, what happens when those chances stop going in, right? Now you're looking at a guy that doesn't shoot, doesn't get chances, and now all of a sudden he's not scoring, right? So to me, that's kind of – this guy's redlining right now, and I'm happy to see it because I actually really like Winnipeg. I like the Jets a lot. And me too. I like actually like Mark Shifley, especially in draft season. Like he's, you know, he's perennially underrated. But right now I think – He's got too much going for him. Like a 92-point sure. pace for Mark Sheffy? No, I don't mm. think so. So what do you think – like, first off, what are your thoughts on this guy? And do you think he can reach 92 points this season? 92 points does seem like if we're just throwing out a quick word association, Mark Shifley, I wouldn't say 90 points. I would be comfortable saying 70 to 75 points. But it's interesting because you have him here on overrated and you also just said he's perennially underrated. So I'll say this. Because to me, I think we have to put this lens on this way. Perhaps fantasy-wise, right now, 
You could maybe call him overrated if you're expecting him to go off a bit of a cliff with what you're saying. It sounds like that could happen. But what I'm seeing from the on ice product, and this is where one of those times I would just say, look at the chemistry that that line is having right now. And you just said he's got five points in his last few games. I think what he's insulated with there, Ehlers and Connor, I think that's the line that should stay together. And now Winnipeg has some of the nicest depth going on in the NHL. It's one of the things I always look to for fantasy success is the ability of a team to roll three lines. Ideally, obviously, all winning clubs want to roll four, but this is the NHL in 2023. Maybe they're at best rolling two. So the fact that the Winnipeg Jets have been able, their third line is Nito, Nidoride, Appleton, and Lowry. Most teams that would probably slide up to maybe being the second line. Yeah, so that's a good. beautiful way to balance out the attack. And that's why I would say I could see Shifley continuing to maybe produce at that high level, even though I'm here for your takes on the numbers and just throwing it on the wall. To me, it doesn't stick at 90 points. I'm saying it might stick right in that 75 region, but his team is winning and he has been a big piece of that offense. Yep, absolutely. I agree with all of that. Let's Boom. move yeah, let's move on. Let's talk about another player that I consider overrated. Um, at this, this one, point. I'm vibing. This one, I'm vibing fully. It's Brandon the Bagel Hagel. Hey, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel. Hey, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel. All right, um, we got to talk about Hagel. Uh, right now, this guy's on pace for 72 points. And I, I think if Hagel got 72 points this season, bang, that would be that would be an amazing season for this guy, right? Yeah, but huge. Truthfully, we're looking at a second line player a second power play player um his last five games are are kind of an indication as to why i'm out on this guy right like he mm. only has one assist in his last five games he is getting just under 19 minutes time on ice so that's yep. great and that's on the season too like he's getting good deployment but sure. again the numbers that we like here 156 in shots on goal per 60 no all right, 207th in individual course, four per 60, 141st in individual scoring chances for. So he's not really generating a lot. And obviously his shooting percentage in the last five games, 0%, right? Like this, yeah. this guy's, he's not really going right now. Um, he's similar to Mark Shifley to me, but this guy doesn't get the deployment, right? No. Um, Shifley's getting 21 minutes a night. This guy, you know, he's getting 18 there's other things too, right? Like his on-ice shooting percentage right now at five on five, it's high, right? It's up over 11% when it should be closer to 9%. And what that means is that his line mates are converting, him and his line mates are converting at a somewhat unsustainable rate or something that he's never done before. It's just, again, it's the same story. This guy lives off efficiency. What if it goes away? And I just don't think, unless this guy's on power play one, like mm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested at all in Hagel, especially at a 72 point pace. I don't know. What's your take on Hagel and what kind of production do you think we can expect from him rest of the season? You know, Tampa Bay's power play is the second best in the NHL clicking at 31%. So if he did get slid up to that top unit, I'm probably to where you and I are going to probably be tweeting about this and having another look at it. Brandon Hagel. Brandon Hagel to me is a little bit of a one dimensional player and I know his peripherals in terms of, you know, he's not afraid to hit and block shots. I understand. So maybe that doesn't hold water, but to me, it's just like, if he's not scoring goals, I just don't see a ton of other value for him here. He's got zero goals on the power play this season. Yep. So it's just, it's just, this is me and my personal take. A lot of players, I get fired up about their games and what they bring to the table to me, Brandon Hagel, even though he scored 30 goals last year, Here's where I'll wrap it up for you because I can't put my finger on the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. Yeah. They have looked really, really bad at times. You know, that eight spot, Dallas put an eight piece up on them and then they came back and they beat the doors off of Dallas. Four nothing shutout. One night you're like, Vasilevsky's done. The next night he's back. 
I just don't know with teams like the Red Wings and teams like I know Ottawa and Buffalo have had their struggles. So maybe it's not this year, but with that Atlantic division, with all these squads rising and Tampa being, you know, basically blowing the doors off of all those squads for the last 10 years, just goes to the point of the changing of the guard. And I'm not saying it's this year. I'm just a little bit worried about investing into players like Brandon Hagel, who we don't really see it being a prolonged success thing in terms of their underlying metrics. And then overall, I'm a little bit concerned about the team. That's where red flags go up on my ability to invest in them fantasy-wise. Yep, absolutely. Brandon, sorry, buddy. Um, thank you for your service, but uh, you're off my fantasy team ASAP. Thank all you. right, cool. Um, let's go to let's go to your guy here. Um, so there's a player that is a bit overrated for you. Why don't you tell us sure. about him there, Flip? What do you got? Yeah, well, here's the thing. And this isn't Matty Beniers' fault that he was given the Rookie of the Year title. But if I'm going to hold you to that standard of the best young player in the game, and again, he didn't give it to himself, but then my expectations go up. And when also there's success with your team tied to your play, and then the level of expectation goes up for the Seattle Kraken team, a Seattle Kraken team that has also been very disappointing, in my opinion, to start the season. You know, I, I get it. They're right there in the middle of the pack, 8, eight and 12. Sure, they look really good one week, and then they look awful the next. But Matty Beneers at four goals when this guy is supposed to be a player that was drafted, I believe, I forgot to write this one down, but he was up there in draft boards this year. So I know for a fact there's a lot of GMs hanging on to Matty Beneers and hoping that he has to be better. I'm not saying he's an ineffective fantasy piece that you should 100% drop. I'm just telling you that that bar that we've set for a guy who's supposed to be the rookie, the rookie of the year award, aside from the years like this year, when there's like two clear winners and like Bedard and Hughes, you know, and maybe some others, the rookie of the year award means basically zero sometimes in terms of long term success. But it means we got to have our eyes on this guy because he's a flashy name. 57 points last year, uh, Blake, 148 shots on net. To me, again, we're talking about shooting. He needs to shoot the puck a whole lot more. Also, if you're supposed to be a number one center, and I know face-off percentage is not a metric that we care about in fantasy, this kid can barely win 43% (laughs) of his draws. So to me, in terms of investing in him long-term, I'm really calling this guy a bit of an overrated player. He hasn't performed this year. He's only been in the NHL now for a year and a half, basically, So maybe the book is out still, but I'm calling him overrated. Who needs to be a lot better if his team wants to make the playoffs as well? Yeah, that's so true. And this is a great example of someone who is overrated. And it's not his fault. Like you said, I mean, the guy won Calder Trophy, right? So, yeah, now we're looking at this guy like he should be 21 years old. Yeah, like this guy has a lot lot of room to grow. But, yeah, there are some things in here that are – you know, I don't like to see like, first off, like you said, he's a low volume shooter that that show ain't no good. The other thing is Seattle last season was like on the season. This is something I talked about in the off season. They were redlining for the entire season with their shooting percentage at even strength. They were converting at a crazy rate. Jared McCann, Maddie Beneers, like Vince Dunn. These are all guys that they, they really shouldn't have been able to do what they did. They caught lightning in a bottle for an entire season. Right. And True. now yeah. you look at Seattle, their, their shooting percentage is in the toilet. Right. And this guy, yeah. he, his sh- he shot 16.2% last year. He's shooting 8.9 this year. And exactly. I, I, it, I think it's somewhere in the middle. But yeah, I think Seattle's getting a bit of a reality check in terms of like 
just how 100%. lucky they were last season. And yeah, this is a guy that's that's definitely kind of feeling the burn there. So anyway, shout out to Maddie Beniers. Like she's gonna be a good player for a season, but also he plays yeah. on Seattle and, and you can't really rely on any decent deployment from Dave Haxall there. Like he, you know, for mm. fantasy, he's just pissing us all off. You know, yeah, I like the- Haxall overall, but uh I'm it's also interesting though just to wrap this point up you know me i'm always looking at odds fan duel vegas odds right now in terms of if you want to just maybe have our assessment of this overall kraken situation be backed up the seattle kraken have the same odds to win the stanley cup as the st louis blues and nashville predators so if we were talking about where vegas thinks they slot in in terms of quality which these numbers you know take them as they will the toronto maple leafs are the fourth favorite which is clearly not the case so maybe it's <laughs> bit of a grain of salt but that's actually where i would put them in terms of quality yeah. this year right there with those teams and those teams are not playoff contenders so anyway there's that there you go all right you know what we're gonna do for the sake of time we're gonna skip the upside plays i'll give you that in another pod but what i do want to get to is our must roster players here Flip. Mm. and yep. i want to start with uh with one of yours so why don't you pick one of the players that you brought sure. here and we'll and we'll talk about them most definitely. And, you know, we can keep the one of them super quick because we already touched on him earlier in the show. Simon Nemich for me right now, I got double eyes peeled. Aside from the fact that I really do like what he's going to have in terms of a partner in Jonas Siegenthaler, I think that's the perfect defenseman to have paired next to a young offensive minded guy in Nemich, who, of course, is going to have growing pains. He's 19 years old. He's played one game in the NHL. But the New Jersey Devils are a good club. Yes, they have some holes to fill, but this isn't him going in in the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is him going in alongside Luke Hughes and other good young players. So there's that to also be excited about, but he's going to get deployed, it looks like, on the top power play as well. So now I got my eyes double circled. Also, I believe in his first game, lost the tab. I got 4,200 tabs here, but I'm almost positive he played over 22 minutes in ice time in his first game and registered two assists. So I'm going check, 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 double check for all of the things that make him a must add for me. Does it mean that I'm going to be hanging on to him? If Dougie Hamilton is going to be out as long as we think, and he is even close to effective keeper dynasty in deeper leagues, he might be on my team all year long. Yeah, I love the player. I think I've had lots of comments on this player in our Apples of Geno's Discord here, and I think he's absolutely worth a speculative ad. Like, this is one of those players you add now, and then you just deal with it on the back end. Like, if he falls yeah. off the cliff, then you're like, okay. But yep. you, it's, I think this is a player you want to get in on the ground floor, right? Mm-hmm. Because, for, exactly. like, like, currently, he I think Luke Hughes is top power play there. So Luke Hughes is going to play with Thank his you. brother there. But Thank Nemec you. is going to take Dougie Hamilton's spot on power play, too. Right? Um, yeah, so he's getting, like you said, he got 22 and a half minutes in his first game, two assists, three shots on goal. I love that. Like, yeah. um, this Sorry, guy, yes, he is going to quarterback that second yeah. unit. That second unit has Timo Meyer, Dawson Mercer, Andre Palat on it. So I'm loving that. Oh, absolutely, buddy. I mean, just, just the deployment right off the bat. I love that they trot this guy out here and, and kind of put him to work, right? So it, it bodes well for Simon Nemich. And again, I absolutely agree. I think this is a player you pick up now. And, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, you drop him in a week. No harm, no foul, right? But, yep. but this guy's 31% right now. He's still out there. I think you kind of probably have to act now if you want to get him on your team, right? Because a lot of smart fantasy managers are getting this guy on their squad. So yeah, mm-hmm. with it. Um, a player I want to talk to you about, Flip, is Quentin Byfield. This, yeah, this freaking guy. Wow. Yeah. Um, to me, 
this this guy is having a true breakout season. Um, he's he's currently on a seventy point pace, which is really nice. Six goals, twelve assists uh, for eighteen points in twenty one games. But um, when you talk about like you talk about the eye test, and this is a player to me that really passes that eye test. Like first off, his skating is elite. Like he's yes. he's, a, he's a horse out Thank there. You. You know, you yeah. and I love the love the stallion uh, uh, reference. Yes, we right? do. We do yes, that. we do. We got the barn working today. You know, horse, Stables are stallions, working. Stallions, a stud, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this guy, his line is really cooking. He's on top line there with uh, Anze Kopitar, the ageless one. This guy just continues to get it done. And then Adrian yeah. Kempe, who's a shot monster. So one love thing it. that I've known about Byfield or noticed is he's amazing at puck retrieval. Like this guy mm-hmm. goes in, he gets the puck, and he's really yep. slick with his passing. So yep. um, it's a player I'm excited about. Last five games, three goals, one assist. Uh, so that's really nice. The deployment's still there's room to grow there. Like he, you know, last five games, he's averaging 16 minutes time on ice. The metrics are reasonable, right? 83rd uh, in shots and goal per 60, 129th overall in individual course four and 138th in individual scoring chances for. So there's, there's lots to like there um, on the season. He's actually 68th overall in scoring individual scoring chances for. So um, I'm just a big fan of the player. I like his role and he, you know, he's on power play one there as well. Right. So th- there's, I-, I think it's just going to be wheels up for Quentin Byfield moving forward. And I think people mm. are starting to starting to know about this player and he's currently rostered at 41%. So th- the time is now go and get this player. That number is drastically too low. Also the LA Kings sit fifth in the league with 81 goals scored. Uh, they've, I believe they finished last year in third or fourth. They've been in top five in scoring the last few years. And when I look at that lineup, speaking of the most balanced and deep offensive attacks, the LA Kings make that page most definitely when you're talking about it. We're talking about insulating young players so they succeed. How about playing alongside Ans Kopitar? Yeah, no Just kidding. an absolute beauty if you're talking about it. And actually... That line, I don't know if you remember back in the day, NHL used to have that bar at the bottom where you try and build your lines and it would show you the success. You'd have to always balance it. You couldn't yeah. just always put yeah. the shooters all together. You'd need playmakers. You need that. I'm looking at this line and I'm saying that's got a little bit of everything. They got size. They got speed. They got age. They got skill. They've got all of them. Also, I'll say this, Quinton Byfield's best asset that might be perhaps his most underrated is his shot. And we were talking a lot about shooting on today's episode, but this is actually coming full circle very nicely to this whole point in a player that is now finding confidence, starting to shoot a little bit more, where he should be shooting a lot more. And I think that's what you'll see now. He's still young. He skates like a gazelle. And I'm telling you, I hope we're going to see him go off now and pop a couple with his shot because people are going to start to pay attention a number two overall pick that has the size, skill, and everything else to get it done, hockey IQ and what have you. Injuries have been a problem. He's on a winner, a real contender with some veterans around him. My goodness, 40-whatever percent you said is so far much lower than I think he deserves to be and what it should be. But hopefully now that number is on the rise because everyone's tuned and tapped into Apples and Genos and, of course, cream of the crop, baby. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. Love it. Yeah, this guy's a beauty. You got to get him on your squad. All right, why don't we do one more flip? I want to hear your last must roster player and see where we're at with this. Most definitely. And I think we covered all the angles that need to be covered here. Aside from the fact that Connor Ingram who is the player that is a must-add. And, you know, we mentioned, I think, at length about the quality of the Arizona Coyotes tipping in the right direction on the cusp of a playoff spot. Why wouldn't you want a piece of what's going on there overall? He's the number one goaltender in Arizona right now. Yep, There's not many, 
number ones actually there's 32 of them out there actually these days much less but the fact that he is getting that run out even on good teams these days they're look going to more of a split so if it is Connor Ingram right now it looks like he is going to get that run out and for good reason aside from Karel Vamelka not being good at all this year which is a bit of a surprise mm-hmm. two shutouts over the five game win streak the team winning it's a must add for me if you need some goalie love and even if you don't it's the kind of thing that if you do have maybe a goalie who's got a bigger name out there, who's underperforming, I'm not saying you see Saros or something, but if you're feeling comfortable with the ability of Ingram to come in and fill that void and you've got other holes on your roster, now you've got fodder to play with in terms of trade chips. And that's the kind of reason why if you can stack up a couple of goalies, you're going to have GMs knocking on your door because at some point, Someone who's contending is going to need a goalie. And if that's not you, you might be able to position yourself very nicely to at least cash in on some loot, like maybe make top five. Or if it's Keeper Dynasty, set yourself up really nicely for next year. I love it. Um, yeah, that that's a really good point. Like stacking up goalies and then maybe, you know, moving off a goalie that has some value currently to to get another forward in here, like a, you know, a real offensive forward, because it looks like you yep. can really rely on this guy. Like Connor Ingram, he's played right the now, last yeah. seven games there. Seven games yep. straight, right? Mm-hmm. Over vegetable lasagna. What the hell? So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this guy. Like, something mm-hmm. that I look at when I'm looking at valuing goalies, I don't know about you, Flip, but it's, mm. it's the team metrics, right, that we looked at. And we talked about what's going on with the Arizona Coyotes, so we won't rehash that. But um, their, the, their expected goals against is fairly, fairly high. So they're giving up some grade A chances, yeah. but this yeah. guy is shutting the door. Like, it's insane. Yeah. His goal saved above average is 11.53. That's some of the tops in the NHL. Connor Ingram, yeah. right? 69% yeah. rostered. Nice number, but damn, what, like, get this mm. guy on a team. Um, it, yeah, it's. I think I'm with you on the fact that those numbers maybe indicate that he can't, like, he's on a five-game heater with two shutouts. I'm not saying per se. I'm looking at this more that even if he does fall back down to earth and still is the number one, he's still worth value. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it overall because right now he definitely is a must-add. Yeah, he's a must roster, no question to me. Um, And I think you'll probably be able to hold this guy for the rest of the season, right? Like you said, um, besides what we talked about with the last five games in Arizona, I still do think they're going to be there come playoff time. They'll be in the mix, and this guy's going to be a big reason for it. So there you go. There are the must roster players. I had to get some from you there, Flip. But, buddy, thank you so long. I know this was a beefer of an episode, but, you know, I don't get to see you very much. So, you know, we got a chitty chat. We got to get that done. Yes, sir. Yes, Um, sir. And it was a good one. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, while you're here, I want to give you the give you the floor, uh, just to plug, promote uh, what you got going on over there at the Locked On Boys. Yeah, of course. You can check us out on X, Twitter, however you break it down. We're on YouTube Monday through Friday. Anywhere you find your favorite and hottest podcast, Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We take a little bit of a different angle from the Apples and Genos pod, but it actually is a nice little way to get all of your bases covered because we also do nightly bets. I appreciate that plug. Blake and thank you for having me on brother keep killing it I see you out there grinding you're a little bit of everywhere right now you're over with me now in Dauber hockey you got your own podcast going take it easy but I don't want to be replaced just yet you're irreplaceable my man come on Thanks, brother. Well, keep up good work I see you keep killing it Thanks, buddy. There's that modesty again. Um, all right. Way to go. Thanks a lot, Flip. Really appreciate you have uh, you being here. And thank you so much, everybody, for checking out the pod. We're going to have some more going on. I've got another guest here on Friday. I'm actually going to roll with another episode, so stay tuned for that. But until then, celebrate your day. Bye for now. A rational explanation is hardly necessary. necessary.